You're listening to Pros Like Us. Brought to you by NFL Draft Blitz. And now, without any further ado, here's Alex and Lou. That's right, gang. We are back and better than last week, we hope. Got an amazing guest here today, linebacker from the SEC, as well as free agency. I guess we'll have to jump in with everybody else. Free agency frenzy. Uh, Nothing official yet as we record prior to the official beginning of the league year at 4 p.m. Eastern time. A lot of free agency stuff going on. But I think first we want to get our guest on here. Let's get him in. He's a linebacker for the Arkansas Razorbacks. Well, formerly the Arkansas Razorbacks, now fully into draft prep from Greenwood, Arkansas, number 31, Grant Morgan. Grant, welcome to Pros Like Us, man. Hey, yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to talk some ball with y'all. All right. Well, I got to get used to putting former in my uh, in my intros because you guys are, are practically pros now. And like I said, it is draft prep season, so we are obligated to ask height, weight, speed. Yeah. So pro day, uh, it was this past week. Height, I'm 5'11", 1'8". Um, weight, I weighed in at 225. It'll be probably around 230 is what I weigh in every, every day. And then speed, I think my official... I had I talked to three scouts and they had me at a four seven four, um, so that's what I guess I'm going with there. All right. So in the pro day, I mean, other than the measurables, how did it go? What did you feel you were able to accomplish? I thought it went really well for me. I think I did exactly what was expected of me on the forty yard dash. They knew I was a four seven guy. Um, I knew that I wasn't going to run no four five. So I did exactly what was expected there. Um, I think I did really well on everything else. I was probably tested top of the class on um, just about every other test and every other drill that we could do for the linebacker draft class. So it was really well. Every scout I talked to, I talked to all of them, um, and every single one of them said I made myself a lot of money and did really well for them. So they're expected to go back and watch the film. And that's the main goal for me was to get them to go back and drive them to my film. And because I've done good enough in the past couple years for them to watch my film and be pleased with it how has your family helped you the most along your football journey yeah my family has really just been the center for me just because I'm so hard on myself and what I believe in myself and how much I push myself and they're always there to be right there behind me and push me Um, I'm married to my wife we've been together throughout this whole journey for her to be able to be there and just be the backbone of me and just have me like in every single corner that I've ever been, I put myself into, she's been there for me. And so my family and my parents, they've always pushed me to become the man I am today. And um, I know I probably don't give them enough credit, but they're, they're the ones who made me who I am today. So I'm so excited to have them in my corner. And it's really helped me along the way, especially coming from a walk-on to All-American, All-SEC, like to be able to be the guy. So they've been there throughout it all. So, Sydney, you mentioned your wife. I mean, most of the guys we talk to are, are not married. So I would imagine that's difference in terms of lifestyle and so forth, the maturity that comes along with it. Would you say she is more cheerleader or critic? I would say she does a really good balance of it all. She's probably my number one cheerleader, but I think she would be the second, besides myself, the second most critical on me because she knows how hard I want to push myself. So if, if I sometimes slip up or something, she'll be the first one there and say, listen, this is what you said you were going to do. You got to do it. But she's also my number one fan and biggest supporter. So she does a really good balance with both. 
Well, let's talk about your older brother, uh, Drew Morgan. Uh, he was a wide receiver at Arkansas, so he went through this process as well a few years back. I'm sure he has helped you along. How has he left a mark on you, and how has he inspired you? Yeah, he inspired me just because of him going through this process, but we're so different um, in how we go about our everyday business and how we just kind of just condose and handle ourselves but the one thing is we're similar about is we have confidence in ourselves and we push ourselves so hard and try to be the best that we can be and I guess you could say that was instilled from our dad he always taught us like we got to believe in ourselves more than everyone else so having Drew in my corner and just knowing that he's been through the process and I can ask him questions and stuff um, it's so good to have somebody like that and, and I kind of lived through him whenever I was younger and he was going through the process and I saw how he handled draft day and how he handled everything else so I can learn from it, learn from his mistakes, and learn from his, his things that he did really well. So I'm excited for this opportunity and just to be able to have him in my corner. Did you have any offers coming out of high school, or it was no one, like, at the D1 level? I had, like, several Division two offers. Uh, my only Division one offer was, um, when I was going to be a senior, was the Air Force offer. And they wanted me to play fullback, and I wanted to play linebacker. That was that. And then UCA came back and they said they wanted to offer me late, which is a small school, D1AA in Arkansas, after I was already committed to walking on to Arkansas. So I decided to just walk on to Arkansas because I knew what I could do and I knew uh, my confidence level in me would help me and build me up to the person I am today. So why did you eventually choose Arkansas? Was it because your older brother played there? You were familiar with the place, with the university, with the football program? No, it really had nothing to do with Drew. It was just the fact that I, I wanted to play in the SEC. I was from Arkansas. I would have went, if someone would have offered me outside of Arkansas, I probably would have went there just because no one really believed in me. Um, no one really gave the said that, hey, we want you. So I was just like, all right, if no one wants me, I'm going to go make myself wanted. And why not? So why not try the biggest conference and biggest places to play and play against the best? And that's exactly what I did. Were you always like a, a smaller guy playing linebacker out there? Did you grow a bit once you got to college? I've been probably 5'11", 5'11 and a half the whole, probably like or sophomore year of high school. And I've probably been around 215 to 230 ever since then. So I've kind of been the same. I've just, my body's changed based on like, just like body fat percentage and stuff. I mean, I've been about the same weight and height for a while now. So you touched on the path a little bit there, Grant. Uh, preferred walk-on. All-American awards. You were a Burlesworth finalist in 20. You win the award in 21. And for those that don't know, uh, it's the most outstanding college football to start as a walk-on. And you're doing this in the SEC. You mentioned you wanted to play against the best. How did you do it? I honestly, like, I had so many good people around me that helped me become who I was. And I just listened. I just, I put my ego aside and I just said, listen, like, I, I need to trust these people around me. And at the end of the day, like, I wasn't really worried about the individual awards. I just did every single thing I could to help Arkansas win and to help my teammates win, and it helped me become a better player, and it helped me win the individual awards. When you just put the team first, like, all those other stuff will come later and made it a virtue to get my team. And Because Arkansas, we hadn't won in a while, and whenever I just – we put together as a team and as players and seniors and captains that we were going to win and we were going to do it then, and we didn't have to wait till a rebuild with this new coach, Coach Sam Pittman. We did it, and we did it then, and everything else just kind of flew into our own grasp because we just tried so hard to become the best team that we could. And I have a lot of coaches in my career. I had four head coaches, if you count the interim. I had four DCs. 
or five DCs, four linebacker coaches. So it's hard not to have taken something from every single coach that I've played with. Like every single one of them were good in their own way. And I took all the good from each of them and just put it all together. And now I have so much knowledge on how to be a good football player. And I think that's helped me a lot. So you mentioned learning from the coaches that you've had at Arkansas. What did you take away from your former defensive coordinator, John Chavis? He was actually one of the first to instill confidence in me. I remember him sitting there and talking to me. I was a sophomore. Coach Chavis looked at all the other coaches and me and said, this guy's going to play in the NFL. Now, I wasn't even in. I wasn't a starter yet. I was a backup rotating in. He said, this guy's going to play in the NFL. I don't care how small he is, tall he is, doesn't matter. He's smart enough and he's quick enough to play in the NFL. And so I think then, after he told me that, was when I realized, I said, listen, you can play in the NFL. Don't let anyone else tell you anything. If this guy who's coached for 40 years is saying it and seeing it, then just imagine what everyone else can see. So just keep pushing and keep going. But um, I think he taught me that, the confidence in myself. And the other thing that he taught me was learning the concepts. When you learn the concept of a defense or a concept of an offense, that's when you can under, understand every single position and every single play. So instead of trying to just memorize and trying to exactly figure out which X's and O's are doing what, you just got to understand concepts of the whole game, and that's what makes you a better football player. And that's what I really dove into with him. He taught it really well. That was one of my biggest two things with Coach Chavis. It's fairly obvious that the Arkansas football program has changed the last couple of years. They're going through kind of a, a movement and moving forward and, and getting better players. Uh, recruiting is a huge part of this whole process. How has the program changed during the last two years under uh, Coach Pittman? I would say all that you just said is just perfectly correct. Like they're getting better recruits. They're getting better facilities they're updating everything they're winning games like we did this past year um but i would say the one thing that's changed is because we have the same players we have the same guys on this team that went nine and four that went two and ten we were all there we went two and ten twice the only thing that's changed is the coach that came in there and believed in us that's exactly what i'll stick with that's what i'll tell anybody the only thing that's changed is those players were just as hard they worked even harder though because a coach came in there and said listen you guys can win and you guys can win now we, never, we didn't need a coach coming in there saying, guys, we just got to recruit better. The recruiting comes after you win games. And I think everyone in that facility knows that. The way you recruit is we win more games. You get more kids to look at you saying, I want to play for a team that's winning. So when you had a coach like Coach Pittman, Coach Browse, and Coach Odom come in there and say, we want to coach these guys because we want to be here and we want to win games with you, then that's when you, guys, when you get guys to play harder just because they want to be with that coach. So that's exactly what happened. And it's the trust factor from coaches to players and the players from coaches. Yeah, it's always nice to see a, a new coach come in and take the players that, that were there before and just instill confidence. And you see that it makes all the difference in the world. 9-4 and four record in 2021. What was the biggest difference for the team this past year? Because you guys won against some big dogs. Yeah, I would say like some of the games we won, like Texas, uh, Penn State to cap it off, Mississippi State, those games, we went in there thinking we were going to win the game. In the past, in the two and ten years, we went in there thinking, all right, we can keep it close and hopefully we get a chance to win. Now it was this past year, every single game we went into, like when we played Texas A&M, we were both top ten or they were top ten, we were top 15 team. We went in there going, listen, we're way better than this team. We're going to beat them. So there wasn't a single game. Even the games we got beat, like Georgia, we went in there thinking we can win this game. And that's what made us keep it close with every single game. Uh, Alabama, we lost by a touchdown at Alabama at night. And we lost by a touchdown. 
And so, like, stuff like that is when you realize, like, you got a good football team when you got guys going into games that are in big places like that. And you can say, we're going to win this game. Kind of like we did at Baton Rouge at night uh, against LSU. And so it's hard not to go into games when you have everybody around you that's wanting to win and every single person on the same mission as you. And that's exactly what we did. We just we knew and expected to win every single game. Grant, what was your most memorable victory from this past season? Was it against Texas, against the Aggies, Penn State, LSU? Which win stands out the most? I have memories from all of them. I would say Texas does. Um, just because that was our second game of the year. And we had a full stacked house. Everyone was there. The whole stadium was filled. And they all rushed the field afterwards. And it was just something that was so great just because we had Steve Sarkeesian, who supposedly has one of the best offenses every year when he was at Alabama. And then he goes to Texas. And we, we shut him down, and we did really well as a defense. And so it was a fun game. And just being able to be there with my guys and all the guys, that, all the seniors that have been there for – so long and just seeing all the hard work paying off and then just being able to turn around and beat Georgia Southern and Texas A&M right after that. And it's just continued to drill and just get better and better. I'm sure it was extra special for your teammate, Bumper Pool, right? He's from Texas. So I'm sure he was just ecstatic to, to beat the Lawn Orange. Yeah, all the Texas guys were super pumped. The bump was extremely pumped just because that's what he got offered by or whatever growing up and he could have went there and Seeing it and being a, being a different part of it is just so much different now. And seeing all those Texas guys so happy, it just made them just the best feeling in the world. You and Bumper have played a lot of games together, obviously. How have you guys made each other better? Uh, we are probably two of the most competitive players to be on the same team ever. We've tried to push each other so hard and try to make each other better. We worked out, out every single day together. We were partners in every lift just because we knew what we were both expecting and knew what we both wanted to do. It was fun being with him. It's fun playing with your best friend and just being able to go out there and just have fun and play in the SEC against big top-notch guys and do it with someone you like, you know? Grant, as the game evolves, especially with offenses being more wide open, uh, defenses are having to adapt. Uh, you hear the term like uh, positionless football. What are the changes you've begun playing to now? I would say the biggest change since my first year and my last year was simplifying the defense. As we played Alabama, we started off playing Alabama when they had fullbacks every single year, and now we grew into an Alabama team that's a spread Alabama. They like to throw the ball 50 times if they have to. Um, and I think the more and more offenses get complex, like a Mississippi State, Mike Leach, I think defenses have to get simpler. Defenses have to get simpler because you have to not make the mind cloudy. You have to make everyone simplified and just know their job and just do their job well. Um, that's what we did at Arkansas, and that's what, we, what made us successful. When you put guys in the situation to succeed, even if it's not more than 10 calls a game, then you're going you're gonna to succeed because guys aren't over-frustrated or they don't get any uh, different calls from the sidelines. They just can all can focus on one and be on the same page. We have a thing, which I'm sure a lot of defenses do. If we're all wrong, that means we're all right. We do that, and we focus on making sure all of us are on the same page and just simplifying everything. And that's what defenses kind of have to do, especially at the linebacker position. So I saw a graphic, and I thought this was interesting. Your blitzing or pressure rate was identified by a, a group, College Football Film Room, as the most efficient in the SEC. Is this something you're aware of? And maybe describe the prowess that you have as far as a blitz uh, package goes. Yeah, I saw that, I think, a couple of weeks ago on Twitter myself, and I wasn't aware of that beforehand. 
I think a lot of our reads in linebacker, especially how we played at Arkansas, was we didn't blitz me a lot. And it sounds weird that, like, you had that good of a fishing, but I didn't really have a lot of blitz calls a lot. I had a lot of – we played three down, so I could be the extra blitzer if I read pass fast enough. And so that's what I did. I would just read a certain slide protection, and I would just base it off of that and know where the open gap's going to be or know where the open slide protection is going to be where all I had to do was beat a running back. And so that's what I focused on doing is getting really quick twitch on the uh, reads and more of just seeing it and instinctual uh, reads instead of trying to just say I walk up to the line and I'm blitzing every time. And that's what I think what made me successful on my effectiveness just because I knew when I would be successful blitzing or not. I wouldn't go up there. I would go and do my pass coverage if I knew it wasn't going to be a successful blitz. If they were going to man me up against the left tackle, I wouldn't want to blitz that because that's not my strength. But the way I beat people is just technique. I'm not flashy. I don't set anybody the perfect way like Von Miller does. I know how to get by people just because I'm technique-based, and I know how to get by because I've watched enough film on how this person blocks me. So um, I would say that's the reason why I was successful these past couple of years. All right. I want to ask you about one of your teammates, uh, one of the bigger names coming out of the draft this year, one of the top wide receivers in college football, Traylon Burks. Tell us something about Traylon that that doesn't get much attention nationally. I think there's a lot of things that people don't know about Traylon, but I think the way he carries himself since he's been here at the University of Arkansas, he's carried himself as pro. He's going to fit in this pro um, organization perfectly fine. He is an outdoorsman to the max. He loves to hunt. He loves to fish. He loves to do all of that. He might be more country than me, and I'm from Arkansas. He's from South Arkansas, so he loves doing all that. But I think the football-related thing that a lot of people don't know, he worked out with the linebackers. Like, he worked out with us. Like, when when we were bench pressing and stuff, he worked out and did everything with the linebackers. He's strong, and it's not just, like, strong for a receiver. He's a strong human being, and so – Everything that he does, all this freakish catches and all these freak uh, jumping up over people, catching balls, ripping them down from them, that doesn't surprise any of us at Arkansas because we've been seeing him do it since he was a true freshman here. I noticed on your uh, Twitter timeline a lot of tweets, retweets from uh, Bryce Mitchell or for some of you enthusiasts out there, Thug Nasty MMA. Uh, What's your connection? So he's from Arkansas as well. I love watching UFC. I love being a part of it and just, kind of seeing it all and whenever I found out there's a guy from little Arkansas who was a fighter I watched him it was about five six years ago and Bryce he did a um, it was the second twister ever it's a wrestling move but he did it in UFC and did it successful and it was the second twister ever in UFC and I tweeted it out and I was like this is insane second twister ever in UFC history and it's from an Arkansas boy and he DM'd me and messaged me and said he wanted me to come out there and come out to a match or whatever. And so I need to hold him up to the offer, but it'd be, it'd be fun. So I've been a fan of his, super big fan of his ever since that day, about five, six years ago. And he's just continuously gotten better and better. So I love watching him anytime he's fighting. I'm excited. He has, I think, three more fights in the next couple of years. So I'm excited to watch him do it. Can you see yourself getting in the octagon? Oh, no, not at all, actually. Um, I wrestled growing up, but – I'm not a fighter. I can. I just don't like to. Like, I boxed for six months, like, in little workouts and stuff. But I wrestled growing up. But I don't know. Maybe. But I don't see myself anytime soon doing anything like that. How did your uh, wrestling background help you as a linebacker on the football field? Oh, it helps a ton. I think just having the 
the way to shoot things and being able to wrap up and just the type of grip strength and type of strength that you have to have in your arms, upper body. It can help. I think anything, if you want to make your kids better football players, you put them in stuff like another contact sport, like wrestling and other sports like that. So it's fun seeing people like there's a lot of guys at Arkansas that wrestled and grew up wrestling. So it's fun to watch like John Ridgeway, who's the defensive nose card for us this past year. He, he wrestled one state in high school. So there's a lot more guys nowadays in college football and NFL who wrestled when they're younger. What do you think is your best fit at the next level? I mean, are you comfortable playing everywhere, like in a 4-3, a 3-4? What would you say is your best position? I would say I can do both just because I think it would be a more of a my fit in a 4-3, and then it would be um, I could play Mike or Will in a 3-4, just any either of the inside linebacker situations. But because of my – background of so many different defenses and learning them and learning exactly how each of them have been played in the past um i've played in both situations i've played in a true 4-3 i've traded or 4-2-5 i've gone into a 3-4 just this past two years so it's been fun to be able to learn these different the 4-2-5 was probably one of the more fun ones just because that's what we did a lot um in blitzing packages and i had a guard of running back and so it's been fun to see and know what i can do but i'm i'm willing to do whatever anyone's like wants to draft me or put me in just because I know I can do it. And I know I've been successful in doing any of them. Four, two, five, the way we did it is more, you had a job and that's what your job was every single time. Three, four was the simple defense where we knew exactly um, what our job was, but we were free to go about out and doing it a different way if we had to. And it was fun. You kind of got to play more football instead of just trying to lock in on your job. In January, you were recognized as one of the better football players as a senior, and you were invited to one of the more prestigious all-star games out there, the NFLPA Bowl in California. Tell us about that experience. What did you take away from it? It was an awesome experience. I took away so much knowledge just learning from big-time NFL players who once played or they're still kind of in and out. So Vontez Perfect was our linebacker coach, and he is one of the guys. He helped me a ton while I was down there. He believed in me a lot while I was down there. We used to talk and text about it, and he was helping me, and um, I started at Mike Linebacker for the game, and it was a big honor just being able to for him to believe in me throughout the week and saying that I was the best Mike for that week. So it was it was a great time and a great opportunity to be able to be there and be play with other guys. And I remember talking with Coach Rod Woodson. He's a big time Hall of Famer, and the way he taught the game and the way he said how to be successful in the NFL, it was so fun to be able to learn from them and take so much notes. And uh, I'm going to definitely carry over what they taught me for the next level. What are your expectations for the draft? I actually have no expectations at all. I know what my expectations for me are as of this next year, um, and that has nothing to do with if, if I'll get drafted first round, fourth round, seventh round, or undrafted at all. So my expectations for myself are I want to positively impact a team, no matter if it's going and running down on special teams every single play or if it's being the starting Mike linebacker. I want to be the guy who they can rely on um, whenever they get my name called it. I'm, I'm going to get the job done. Um, and that's exactly how I want to do it. And that's exactly what I think I can bring to a table, especially onto a team. All right, Grant, this has been great. Give me an opportunity here. If you want to shout out your uh, social media handles, any uh, plugs you want to make. Yeah. Um, I'd say the only thing I want to shout out is just everyone who supported me, God, uh, my wife, everybody I've talked about to already, but first and foremost, go hogs, baby. That's it. All right, Grant, we appreciate your time, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you this spring in in NFL camp, hopefully. All right, I appreciate it. Thanks for talking. Thanks again to linebacker.
Grant Morgan from the Arkansas Razorbacks. Great story. Walk on to yeah, one of the best players in the SEC. So hopefully we'll see him in the NFL sometime soon. Alex, free agency's going on. Like I said, the league year doesn't start till 4 o'clock today as we record on the 16th. But, you know, all, all these reported deals come out in the uh, legal tampering period or initial uh, negotiation period. So most of these things are, are, are going to happen. It's just a matter of them being made official. One of the, the biggest things that I've noticed is that most of these proposed deals are three-year deals. And most of the guys getting them are fairly young. Many of the older guys that have signed are signing with their old teams. But it's almost like the agents are taking the NBA model with their younger players, getting them shorter-term deals, decent money, and because they're making so much money and that the deals are worth more, that they want to get that second bite of the apple in free agency before they turn 30. So that, that's the one thing that I've really noticed about a lot of these proposed deals. Now, some of them are, are shorter, you know, one and two years. There was a, a couple four-year deals, but not many. And then Gregory uh, for Denver, was supposed to be Dallas, but was a five-year deal, as well as Marcus Williams. So really two that have that kind of gone the other way, and those guys are a little bit older. But th- that's kind of what I've noticed. Anything jump out at you the, right off the bat? You know, I would say the Jaguars are really, like, spending like crazy. I realize that they have to get weapons for Trevor Lawrence, that, you know, there's a new coach in place, and, and Trent Baalke wants to prove that making the right moves, but I just don't like the deals. I mean... The Jaguars gave Christian Kirk $19.5 million per year. I mean, Christian Kirk is a nice slot receiver, like number two, number three option, but there's no way he's a number one target. And it seems like by giving him that money, the Jaguars are basically saying, hey, Christian Kirk is going to turn into a stud with Trevor Lawrence at quarterback. I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, he's a nice player, but is he worth that money? Brandon Scherf has missed like 21 games over the past four seasons. When he's been on the field, he's been a good player. I mean, a really good player. They needed to improve the offensive line, but I just think, you know, giving this much money to a veteran that has struggled to stay healthy recently is also a big reach. I'm looking at like a deal that Miami did with Cedric Wilson. I mean, they gave him a three-year deal worth just over $22 million. That's a great bargain deal. Cedric Wilson has been like a number three, number four target for the Cowboys. He can definitely be like a number two, number three on a team like Miami. So I would just say like some teams are making some smart moves and then Jacksonville is just going way out for some playmakers out there. And I'm just... I'm really critical. I, I don't like what they're doing. And usually people that spend big in free agency every year, they leave disappointed in a year or two. And I just don't think Trembalki is going to be here next year. Well, in a lot of cases, I would agree with you. But I kind of like most of the moves they made. The Kirk one is just an outlier. And typically, and you've 
people have heard that hear me say this, you say this on this show, that usually the biggest mistakes in free agency is when you pay a number two receiver number one money and expect him to be a number one receiver. I don't think Christian Kirk is ever going to be a number one receiver. Nice player. I like his production to a degree, but again, the money's a little out of whack, and I think that money has kind of put it a crimp on the wide receiver market right now as far as free agents go because you've got guys sitting out there like Allen Robinson, like Juju Smith-Schuster, Jarvis Landry, and so forth, and, and they're probably looking for, hey, I'm better than that. I've got better numbers than that, but you know, age might be working against them. But going back to Jacksonville, sure, if you can say what you want about, about his health, you hope it works out, but I don't think they, they went crazy with that particular deal. Fotokazi was kind of a, an up-and-coming defensive tackle with the Jets. I think they wanted to keep him $10 million a year or so. Uh, Olukan Foye from Yale played at Atlanta, tackling machine, if you would. Yeah, $15 million a year or so. Again, these are averages. Who knows? I mean, these are just reported numbers. But Darius Williams, I thought, was a good deal. The, the corner from the Rams. I thought he was a really good young player. Looks like they're going to sign him too, as well as a one-year deal for Evan Ingram. So yeah, I would say overall, any free agent that you bring in, you're going to have to overspend. Now, fortunately for them, plenty of money under the cap. I think just the whole taste of Urban Meyer. They're trying to get that out of their collective mouths. And the fact that Peterson is going all in with this quarterback and doing all they can to protect them, give them weapons and so forth, I think is is the right idea. Obviously, you've got issue with some of the guys that they went with. But I think just as an overall strategy, this is a little bit different than what they've done in the past. So it remains to be seen, but I'm with you as far as the Kirk deal goes. That's a little overboard for a guy that's had some production, but not to that dollar amount. I love what the Chargers have done because, first of all, they traded for Khalil Mack to get that impact defender to pair him up with Bosa. That's a great deal. I realize that he hasn't been like, you know, a double-digit sack guy for the last couple of years, but... Mac on the right team could excel for the Chargers. Especially with Bosa, and then they didn't have to pay much to get him. Absolutely. They didn't give up the farm. I mean, that's that's true. They got a huge bargain as far as I'm concerned. And then they went out there and they signed J.C. Jackson. All right, They got a number one corner now out there, and they've got some younger guys on the roster like Asante Samuel. I just think J.C. Jackson, you know, giving him a five-year deal, $82.5 million, they stole him from the Pats as far as I'm concerned. I guess you're right. I mean, Belichick doesn't pay anybody, and he didn't pay J.C. Jackson. But he's a young corner. You know, he's a ball hog. He comes down with these interceptions. He's only 26 years old. So I just think the Los Angeles Chargers, I mean, they're getting better, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And they also brought in uh, one of our friends pat capper is sebastian joseph day uh he's switching locker rooms from the rams to the Chargers as well so i think just as an overall grade the afc west is definitely all in denver and the chargers so far all in on making that a, a much more difficult division uh, the Raiders, really, we haven't heard much from them so far in free agency, but I would imagine, you know, as the, the coming days pass, they'll definitely jump in with both feet. Uh, there's some smaller deals. We had talked about 
some of these guys in a previous show. I had mentioned James Daniels, a guard from uh, Chicago. He's signing with Pittsburgh. I thought that was a really good move. Young guy, 24, 25 years old on the upswing. So the Steelers making making a nice move there. Again, under the radar, Tim Settle was a defensive lineman with the Redskins. Yeah, sorry, not the Redskins anymore, not even the football team. The Commanders still can't get used to that. So uh, I'm putting money in the in the jar for that mistake. But uh, yeah, Tim Settle, I thought, you know, for Buffalo, again, two years, like 10 or $11 million, great value there. Whenever he got on the field, because of the rotation and all the number one picks they have on the defensive line, didn't get as much attention, but he was a very productive guy. So I thought that was a pretty good deal as well. Question mark, and I and again, you just you never know with Seattle, but Will Disley, three years, twenty-four million. Now again, these are reported numbers. You don't know how they're structured or, or whatever. That one kind of like, you know, not a ton of money, but Will Disley, really? Eye of the beholder type thing, re-signing with his team. So I'm sure they know him better than anybody else. But uh, yeah, I thought that that was interesting. But a lot of guys re-signing with their old teams. Quandre Diggs, uh, Ryan Jensen. Gallup, he, I mean, obviously they, they ship Cooper off and Gallup gets like 62-some million over five years. Uh, Jake Matthews back with Atlanta. Al Woods back with Seattle. I mean, and there's so many of them. Note boom, obviously, with the pending retirement of Whitworth was big for the Rams. A lot of deals out here. Any other ones that, that kind of made you scratch your head? I wouldn't say that. I mean, I, I guess I'm critical of the Jags, as I already mentioned. I like what the Steelers did. You mentioned James Daniels already, but I like the the fact that they brought in Mitchell Trubisky because they didn't give him a lot of money. And the deal that he signed is not going to make the Steelers stay away from not drafting a quarterback in the draft, whether it's in the first or the second round. I think they're still going to do it. But if you look at his deal, he basically signed what amounts to be like as a high-end backup money to compete for a starting job with possibly a a young rookie. And I think he's an upgrade over Big Ben. And I think he's an upgrade over Mason Rudolph. I'm a believer in Trubisky that he can, after spending a year in Buffalo, that he could compete and be the starting quarterback in Pittsburgh. I realize that the Steelers want to be a running team. Like, they're investing in the offensive line. They've got the running back of the future there. So Trubisky doesn't have to be the guy. He can just excel on those rollouts, on those play-action passes. So I think this is really a good deal for both the, the player and the team. I also think like the Cowboys as a whole lost out on a lot of things. I mean, they obviously weren't able to sign Randy Gregory. It looks like they're going to lose Lyle Collins. They restructured Demarcus Lawrence, which is a pretty good deal, but they had to trade Amari Cooper. Cedric Wilson isn't coming back. I think the Cowboys lost their step a little bit because I'm sure that they wanted to keep Gregory. They made him a deal, but obviously he skipped down and decided to go to Mile High City. Well, when you go all in like that, eventually, like they say, eventually you have to pay the piper and these bills come due. And one of the first teams we're seeing in the last few years that, okay, here it is. We're going to have to. I mean, they couldn't do anything with Zeke's contract because, you know, they there wasn't any cap savings. So they ended up keeping him at the expense of, you know, having to continue to pay Amari Cooper. 
But uh, yeah, the Gregory situation was really interesting. I mean, obviously, you know, his story has been well chronicled and he's had a, scrapes with the NFL, injuries, uh, drug problems and so forth. And I think it seemed like the Cowboys tried to get some language into that contract that wasn't quite standard around the league, but I guess is standard with the Cowboys, save Dak Prescott. The actual language was that if he was even fined by the NFL for any reason, that some of his guaranteed money could be affected. I don't think they slip it into the last minute. That's kind of what they do. But the Broncos were more than willing to just say, hey, here's our standard contract. And he's like, all right, great. Take the money. Probably in a better opportunity, you know, with Russell Wilson and that whole gang there. He's got Bradley Chubb as his uh, sack mate, if you would. And, uh, you know, chance, chance of getting to the playoffs where the Cowboys, it just seems like a lot of hype. They've lost some. Connor Williams, I think he also is, uh, has moved on. But, you know, some of these older guys that are, are waiting, and a lot of these guys were kind of at the top of the class. Uh, Teron Armstead, nothing there. Allen Robinson. Von Miller, Chandler Jones, uh, the Honey Badger, OBJ, he's hurt, and more than likely he goes back with the Rams, but Stephon Gilmore, Dwayne Brown, Bobby Wagner, Clowney, Zadarius Smith, I mean, the names go on and on. Some other guys that have been cut as well, officially, uh, Landon Collins is going to be released today, that was uh, rumored before. The Browns cut J.C. Treader yesterday, and today they're cutting Austin Hooper. They'll be meeting with Deshaun Watson's people, so maybe that's kind of a precursor. Billy Turner from uh, Green Bay. I already mentioned Zadarius Smith and Bobby Wagner. Eddie Goldman from Chicago. Miles Jack. We've talked about Jacksonville, and they cut a young linebacker. Did that one surprise you, seeing Miles Jack's name on the waiver wire? No, I don't think so. I mean, it was kind of dead money. I think they want to get younger there, and... Uh... I mean, Jack has been a nice player for them, but they had to do this move. They had to get rid of somebody because they went on a spending spree. Yeah, that's the other part of this. And that's why I think kind of the um, reported deals have kind of screeched a little bit. You know, there's a kind of there's a few trickling in here and there. Obviously, Monday, there was a ton it really hasn't been as crazy as it's been in previous years. We're just rushing for the top free agents to, to score a lot of money. I don't know if this, again, is agent-driven with the shorter deals and the younger players, or it is GM-driven to say, hey, we don't want to over, we don't really overextend these contracts, and we'll have some time to kind of reevaluate our uh, rosters year to year whereas I think in the past it was a more conservative approach we want to lock guys up we want to make sure what we have and again a little bit of a changing of thinking as far as again more towards the NBA model which is something that is great to watch and it is great for fans because there's always going to be movement again thanks to our guest Grant Morgan looking forward to him in the, in the league all right, gang, that's going to do it for us. Please go ahead and subscribe if you get the opportunity. Until next week, next show, he's Alex, I'm Lou. Peace.